the tug is the drug. Yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And everybody will fish oh, yeah. six hours oh, without yeah. anything just to feel that one jerk. Yeah. And Absolutely. then see the boil. And then that is it. That yeah. Your life has changed after that. Yeah. You get divorced. You quit your job. <laughs> yeah. You put it's a tent over. in your car, a sleeping bag, <laughs> and you go. Uh, been quite a while since we've done our last show. Um, sorry about that. We've kind of been MIA. But um, the last show we did was episode seven, was Fly Design, right? That's what it was? Yeah. With Chris. And uh, so now we're doing episode eight, but that was back in like August. Was it August or it was July? August, yeah. yeah. So now it's October uh, and it's Steelhead time. So we're out today recording again, back with the mics. Um, of course, I'm here, Mitch, and then we've got Yoma. Hey. And we've got Gab. What's up? And uh, we're back again with uh, a special guest, Joe, who we recorded with episode four, I think it was, where we talked about trout fishing. But today we're going to be talking about steelhead fishing. Joe, how's it going? Uh, it's going really well. Thank you. Right on. Um, so everybody's getting their steelhead gear out. Fall is here. Uh, the rivers are starting to cool down. We're going to go out fishing soon, right? It took a long time. It did take a while. Because we're mid-October, and I still feel like I could go for, for bass and trout. I know. It's not that cold. It's not that cold right now, but you know, it, it kind of just came out of nowhere. Like Last year, we were out on the river really early. like We got out in August, like the end of August, to go steelhead fishing. But I think at that time, we didn't really know what we were doing um, because we were just we were new to the rivers, but we were really excited to get out. Um, but it was a good season nonetheless. But now it's mid-October. We haven't been out yet at all, but we're going to. Go out tomorrow, I think, right? We'll yeah. get some shots yeah. and stuff. Not Yoma. No, Yoma's not going, but me and Gab are going to hit the river. Yoma's got to work. I can't quit my day job. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. But we're going to hit it. It's going to be good. But that being said, we do need to know how to do it. So last season we, we learned a bit, but I think we're going to have to step up our game. And to help all of you, people who haven't steelhead fished yet or could need some pointers or whatever, we're going to go through a day on the river steelhead fishing with Joe. So let's talk about that. Oh, before we do, I want to I, I want to just take a quick uh, poll here. Mm-hmm. Out of all the uh, the people at this table, um, who caught a mint chrome steelhead of about ten pounds on a pure dry line? Uh, let's ra- raise your hands. Who who did last fall? That's a very good question, Joe. Yeah, I, wasn't, I wasn't there. I got no proof. <laughs> Oh, uh, awesome I've been I've been fly fishing for forty years, and I, and, and I didn't do it. So uh, I see the only person to raise his hand was uh, Mitch. Hell yeah, Mitch! Tell us, uh, tell us, <laughs> what was the secret to that particular moment? Uh, I, I have to know. I have to know. Okay, well, you know what? It was a it was a it was a beautiful fall day, and I think we were we were fishing um, a section of the river where where what you call fish stoppers, right? Yes. So uh, I was I was swinging my dry line with my fly through there and right right along the back end of this fish stopper, and that's when the fi- the fish hit like right where you said the fish would be. Uh, it was all you, Mitch. Though. <laughs> it was like <laughs> cast right there, boom! Like instantly, it was like the first cast that ripped my arm off, and it was it was pretty awesome. That was the that was the first steelhead I actually got in my hands, but. Uh, there we were trying to take a picture and the thing jumped on land and I was yes. wrestling with it over my shoulder to the river. No, Mitch was very calm. He was it was he was like an assassin. He was uh, ice cold and uh, he said, "Yeah, let's get get it in." Took, uh, try to take a picture, but it got away. 
Um, and then it was like, yeah, let's do it again. Let's yeah. do it again. Yeah. I think I fell in the river and came out almost like it was like baptized in steelhead yeah. water. It was cool. <laughs> it was quite a it was quite a moment. But that was an awesome, awesome. Yeah, that that totally made my season. But you know, catching steelhead really tough to do. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think that uh, if one considers what Ontario is from a steelhead standpoint, um, most of the rivers uh, run into one of the Great Lakes. And uh, they all will have an adronomous run of some kind. Yeah. No matter if it's the size of your kitchen table, or you know, a quarter of a mile wide. All all of the all the tributaries. They all do, unless they have something that stops them, or they're overly polluted, a dam at the bottom end, or something like that. Right. So um, there are plenty of opportunities to catch these these fish. So before we get into into that, like if we take it real far back, just for people who have no idea, like what what's a steelhead? Well, a steelhead is essentially, in, in, Ontario's, in Ontario terms, um, it's a, tra- or a rainbow trout, by, genetically, boom, yes. <laughs> that um, you know, lives its adult life in the lake, feeds, and then returns to where it was spawned um, to reproduce, and then continue again. So, so but it, that's, that's closer to what a salmon does. It is very. It is similarly the same, right? Uh, except that is salmon, um, they die, with the exception of the Atlantic salmon. Yeah. It, uh, you know, most salmon die when they after they spawn, where a steelhead can return to maybe three times as many as four times. Right. And Atlantic salmon don't die when they spawn. No. Oh, I don't know that. I don't know that. Either. That's crazy. Yeah. No, huh. they don't. They're the only one of the salmon that don't. Oh, cool. So steelhead, Andronomus fish, yeah. on the Pacific, right? Yeah. So that means they're. Coming from the ocean into the rivers, they're yeah. spawning, going back out. It's funny. Out of all the in Duck Hogan's book, he mentions this. Out of all the adronomous fish, when they smolt, so that they've hatched, now they smolt, so they're small, like you know, three to five inches. Mm-hmm. The only species of the adronomous fish are that um, most fish when they when they return to the lake, they swim backwards. So their tails are toward the, the lake or the ocean. Right. So they pick their way down. Yeah. The only one that turns around and points its nose at the lake or the ocean is the steelhead. Wow. Yeah. So and that runs straight in. That. And that kind of tells you a little bit of the mentality of that fish and why it makes such a great sport fish. Right. It's a hot rod. Yeah. It's a race car. Yeah. It's a thoroughbred. And in those characteristics is what makes it a great sport fish. Yeah. Yeah, you you hook a steelhead and they will hit your fly, and they will scream and run and jump. Yeah, and that is where the love affair comes with it as a sport fish. Okay, without question. Yeah. Well said. Well, what a great said. fish! Like I mean, yeah, just from from you know our our small experiences last year catching them, it certainly is like that. Rip yeah. your arm off and just go for it. Well, and you know, at the heart of all of this is the saying that's very popular these days, which is. The tug is the drug. Yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and everybody will fish oh, yeah. six hours without oh, yeah. anything just to feel that one jerk. Yeah, and Absolutely. then see the boil, and then that is it. That yeah. your life is changed after that. Yeah. You get divorced. You quit your job. <laughs> yeah, you put it's a tent in your car, a sleeping bag, and you go. You're gone. You should just do that. Oh yeah, it's We're a matter of time. Yet. We just have to break up. <laughs> you don't even have to go through a divorce. Yeah. Well, they was you know there are people out there that would say that a true, the only true steelheader is one that puts is pro, builds his priorities around that fish. Yeah, and they will follow 
they will follow the, the, the circumstances and the, the, water, the water characteristics to do that. Yeah. It, it, there was one time in my life where I would do that. Um, I had, in Ontario, I had 15 rivers that after a big rain, I knew the characteristics of how those rivers responded to that rain. Which one would clear first? Which one dropped the fastest? Which one took the longest to drop? And then you would go here first, there next, there next, there next. And you would have incredible success doing that. As opposed to just saying it rained, I'm going to go to a river. Well, you, if you learn the characteristics of that river, yeah. then you'll know, no, it's not the time to go. Mm-hmm. It's not the time to go. So that's probably the first part in, yeah. in figuring out like your day, right? Which for us, since last year, we've been focusing on one river. Which yeah. is kind of good. Yeah, yeah. We, get, we get to know. To they will say, it. the great yeah. steelheaders yeah. will tell you, that is the way to learn, is to focus on one river. The other thing you have to remember about Ontario rivers in general, not all of them, but in most of them, they're spate rivers. Right. In other words, they need water to raise the level so that fish can come in, mm-hmm. and the water drops. So that is what it primarily does. A lot of the, the great salmon rivers on the East Coast... Not so much bait rivers. They have a steady stream of fish that come in. Right. It's more the tides. It's of the glacier. It's more the tides, the tides that, that do that, uh, to bring it in. Yeah. There are some rivers in Ontario that do that. The Saugeen is a great example. Oh, Saugeen's like that? The Saugeen will get a trickle of fish in. Um, the Nottawasaga, they'll say it's the moon that, mm-hmm. that brings the fish in. Um, rain will bring more fish in, mm-hmm. but those fish get a steady, a steady trickle. It's more temperature in the water that draws them in in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, those are the kind of things If you're saying, you know, where would I go if I was going to go fishing today? Well, I would probably go um, to a river that didn't necessarily need, because we've had no rain. Yeah. Yeah, it's been yeah. dry. Yeah. And we've had no rain, and, and it's pretty sad. Uh, you know, people are catching fish, but not a lot. Yeah. So I would probably go to a river that would give me the best chance that didn't necessarily require a whole huge influx of, of water to bring fish in. Right. I have a chance. Yeah. Okay, so let's start then with uh, with the day. Then. So, you're get, so you're getting ready to go fishing yeah. for steelhead. This time of year, it's like mid-October. What what do we do in terms of gear, in terms of preparations, like I, all that stuff? Well, I, I, you know, this time of year for me, the water temperature is a bit warmer. The fish will move a little farther to the fly. If the water's clear enough, um, I know that. So I tend to fish lighter this time of year. I won't fish. I fish a dry line. I'll fish a light sinking leader or a dry line with a heavy fly. Because the fish, you have to one, remember one thing about steelhead. They'll go up to hit a fly, they'll never go down. So many people in Ontario fish too heavy too early. Yeah. And they're actually swinging under the fish. Right. Fish will never go down and hit the fly. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, they won't. They, they look up. And in Deck Hogan's book, he actually did a, a great thing, which I'll never forget. He said that they were standing on a bridge and there were 20-something steelhead suspended in a pool. And they threw a quarter in. Immediately, four fish went to chase the quarter. Yeah. And the, missed the quarter, and then they went back to the pot of fish. Mm-hmm. And when he looked, the fish were all lower. Mm-hmm. They weren't as high as they were. Mm-hmm. So he threw the quarter in again. Mm-hmm. One fish came to the quarter and went, missed it and went back to the pot of fish. And then when he looked again, he had a hard time seeing them. They were lower again. Oh, wow. And then he threw it in one more time, no fish came. And the fish scattered, and he couldn't see them anymore. 
They came back three hours later. They were all back up, up, sitting in that place. It is no different when you understand that fish behavior in steelhead in in Ontario and rivers. Mm -hmm. They're sitting in a river. They're sitting in a place, conserving energy. That's what they do as they begin to migrate upstream to spots. Yeah. And... You're, you know, you'll go and you'll swing your fly and you'll come back after them. They'll chase it and they'll hit it. Yeah. Chances are, if they miss it or they came once, they'll go back to the spot. Maybe be a little lower. Maybe it'd be a little more. You cast again and maybe you don't get them. They'll probably be down deeper. Yeah. And you won't get anything. But if you come back two hours later, they'll probably they'll be, be back, back up. Yeah. Or if someone comes in behind you yeah. and catches the fish, that is what's happened. Yeah. In most cases. Yeah. Right. They've gone back to. So the fish are up higher. Uh, you know, you know, I'm fishing lighter this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will go to places that exhibit the characteristics in the water that will generate the right kind of fly speed. The right, as Ernie Schriebert would say, the, the right teasing speed in the fly. Mm-hmm. I've stood and watched on bridges and watched uh, people swing Atlantic salmon flies at Atlantic salmon. And you watch the fish. It sees the fly coming, and you see its fins and its, its posture change. And then you see as the fly comes by, you see the fish drift and, and begin to slowly chase the fly. And it'll either commit or not commit. Now, why is it doing that? If you understand in the very basic thing, if I had a baseball in my hand and I quickly threw it to Yelma and I didn't tell him mm-hmm. that I was throwing it, his instinct would be to put up his hand and catch it. Mm-hmm. Even though I, he wasn't trying to catch a ball. Yeah. Instinctually, it is no different with a steelhead. It is a machine that nature has said, it sees something coming, it reacts, it hits it, mm-hmm. it eats it. That's what it's done its whole life in the lake and when it was a small fish. It's returned to the river, really doesn't feed, but those responses are still there. Right. And that's what the fly does. Mm-hmm. A great example is, I have flies that look like squid. They, if you looked at it, you say, well, it looks like a shrimp or a squid. Mm-hmm. There are no shrimp or squid in Lake Ontario or Lake Erie. Why is a fish hit? It's because it exhibits life. And that movement as the fish comes by, as it comes by in front of the fish, it is striking at life Mm -hmm. and the memory of life and the movement of life. Mm -hmm. That's what black flies tend to work really well, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's no detail in it. It It's just life. It's movement. Yeah, for sure. So I'm I'm, first of all, if I get to the river, if it's crowded, that sort of... You know, I have to sort of already decide, okay, what am I going to do? Yeah. Right? Am I going to fish behind people if I am? Well, that'll that certainly influence the fly choice. Mm-hmm. I will probably start with something, if, if the water's clear, something more subdued, mm-hmm. something smaller, uh, and uh, and I'll feel confident doing that. Yeah. How small would you go for, well, your, for your fly patterns? Well, in, in, in a swan fly, I will go, you know, as, as small as an eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, anything smaller than that, and it's hard to call a fish from any distance with something really small. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, now, if you're nymphing for steelhead, yeah, you can go smaller than that. But right. that's a different that's a different thing altogether. We're talking now in my mind more about a swan fly. Yeah. yeah. That, that's that's what we do. We, yeah. We mostly. I, Every time I put a, a, a nymph on, I last five minutes, and then I put it. Well, like the thing is, is that gone. in Ontario, there are, you know a lot of the rivers we have, they're not conducive to swinging to swinging flies. Mm-hmm. You have pools, yeah, and pools yeah. are very hard to generate the right fly speed mm-hmm. because they're more deep. Yeah, 
right? You're looking for those classic runs that are four to six feet, yeah, and have an even broad current. That's what right. that's what you're looking for for the swing to get a nice consistent swing. Yeah, to get yeah. to generate the right speed. And over time, you find to Mitch's Mitch's point earlier, you know, in a river, a fish comes from the the lake, swims up the river, it is forced to stop. Something, some you know, geographic feature in the river forces it to stop and slow it down. If there's nothing there, that fish will keep going. Yeah. It'll keep going until it reaches its destination. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, or fortunately for us, rivers aren't like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, 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 know you, you get to know this. I caught a fish here. Why did I catch a fish here? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> because so, of the something with the bottom. Yeah. Right. right. Something has stopped the fish. Yeah. That combined with it, the, the water has the right speed yeah. to generate the right kind of action to the fly. Yeah, for sure. So there's two different worlds then in the steelhead fishing, fly fishing territory. All right, there's the guys that'll fish single-handed rods, and then there's the guys that'll fish spay rods. There's been like, has the spay fishing world like, what's the deal with that? Like, what? How did well, you start? You know with what? Uh, you know what? And uh, um, uh, I, I'm going to. I disagree with something you just said. I, I, to me, it's it's single-handed rods and two-handed rods. Right. Um, there is a. It's not a spay rod. You can spay fish, as we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You can spay fish with a single hander. You fish a single hander quite a bit. I. That's all I do. Though. Yeah. Right. There is no reason why you can't execute the same casts on a single hander, and fish spay flies on a single hander. Yeah. There's no reason. A two-handed rod um, gives you great advantage on bigger water, mm-hmm. um, and casting at a greater distance with very little backcast room. But it's a two-handed rod. Yeah. And a single-handed rod. Right. Uh, if you look at a lot of the East Coast rivers for salmon, it, a, a single-handed rod is more preferred because you can actually get a more proper swing mm-hmm. with a single-handed rod. It's well, harder. More precise as well. More yeah. precise. You Absolutely. can direct your flying where you want. And cover the water. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, efficiently. I say to people out there, fish either one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a smaller river like the Credit, for example, yeah. I'll fish single-handed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't see a need to fish a two-handed rod. Yeah. yeah. So, so two-handed rods, they were they always like they're they're. How did they start over here? Right, because they use them on the West Coast. As well, well, yeah, but... it's funny. Uh, you know, uh, we were one of the like I was one of the first people uh, to get mm-hmm. a two-handed rod in Ontario, and I actually ordered a blank and built the rod, and I had no idea what I was doing with it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I was an oddity on the river, but I did it because early adopting. Um, you know, I, I'm reading the tradition of the sport and seeing these things, I thought, well, maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 you know, it took me a long time to figure out the advantages of what that right. rod presented itself. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. So, um, but like I say, uh, you have single-handed rods and you have two-handed rods. I think the. The bigger division is not necessarily in the rods; it's in the technique. Mm-hmm. They're sw- swinging a fly, and then there's drifting, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and the, that to me is where the line is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can fish a lot. You have a lot more opportunity in Ontario to fish drifting. Yeah, you can fish all, in, all over. Right. Yeah. The other thing in Ontario that we have that the East Coast doesn't have is we have these, you know, you have, go to rivers and you have people fishing with float rods, with floats. Yep. You have people fishing bottom with weight. Yeah. 
You have people casting hardware and lures, and then you have fly fishermen. It's very hard to walk into a pool where people are standing shoulder to shoulder and swing a fly. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's funny. Salmon River, Pulaski, every single fall, the, the, the salmon fishers that go down there. Jesus, there was a guy there with a baseball helmet on, casting weights the size of your fist. Well, the Ganaraska, oh my this year God. hasn't been so bad, because there's yeah. more regulation now, but the Ganaraska was kind of like... It was. The Ontario Salmon River, it was, it was pretty bad. God, yeah, absolutely. That's where I used to go for my steelhead, and I don't... I it's don't a butchery, anymore. right? I feel bad. People yeah. just go, they're just like ridiculous about yeah. it, like just... Yeah, disrespectful, really. Well, yeah, it's, but uh, the shoulder to shoulder thing—it's like, oh my god. Yeah, and, and like I say, but, but that is the real difference. And I have done both, and I will say to you that I, you know, I, I can catch a way more steelhead drifting nymphs and drifting glow bugs and those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but you know, you have to understand, so you have these fish that are pooled up in deep water, and you're delivering the bait to them. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're getting a drift, and it's coming down to them, and it's hitting them in the nose, and they just reach out and grab it. Mm-hmm. The other one is you're casting a fly, you're swinging it across the current, yeah. and you're teasing the fish to follow and hit it. Mm-hmm. There, there, there were, there, you know, people would say that there's, it, it's, that is more sport. Right. There is yeah. more sport in that. Yeah. It's a different fish. I'm not saying it's, it's better. It's I'm not aggressive. Yeah. We're not saying it's better in my mind. Yeah. I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying one is, you know, somehow. Well, you, you know, well, and you, I, I find like if you swing, it's more accurate because you're, you're literally covering every single inch. Of but it. I think two. Like, raised a great point. Mm-hmm. He is right. Cover up it's water, a, right? you cover more water on bigger water. Swinging is actually a more efficient way of locating fish. He's absolutely right. right. Yeah, but the, the thing too is, like you said, you could catch more fish using other techniques. Right. It's uh, that's something we've touched on a lot of times because fly fishing is kind of like that. General, if you go out with bait, like you'll, you'll probably catch more fish. Well, Robert Hay Brown, in one of his books, as an exercise, a great angling author on the, on the West Coast, he wanted to see, he used to live down uh, sort of by the estuary of a great steelhead river, and he wanted to see the difference. So he went one day with his float rod and, and bait. Mm-hmm. He got almost 30 steelhead. Wow. The next day he went with his fly rod, and he got three. Mm-hmm. And he said... That proves that it's more sporting in his mind. Yes. He felt so. it was more an accomplishment for him to get those three steelhead. Yeah. He wasn't saying one was better or another, but in his mind, he felt more satisfaction and more accomplishment. For sure. Absolutely. In swinging the fly. Yeah. yeah. It, is, sure. it, is, it is, we shall talk about sport versus non, not sport, mm-hmm. right? It, for sustenance, if you want to catch fish to eat and you, you know, right. your family needs to it's eat fish, story. well, yeah. Yeah, so util- it's more of a utility you kind of thing. You got a treble hook, and then you catch them. Yeah, tell us about that, will you? Le- <laughs> you seem to know something about yeah, this. I've, <laughs> seen, I've, I've seen people doing it, and I took photo yeah. of them doing it, and got tread on the game. Someone mm-hmm. was like, if you, don't, yeah. if you don't stop taking a photo of me, I'll come up and punch you in the face. Hey! And, and, and while he was saying that, I took a photo. <laughs> Put it on Instagram. Well, that's you know, it comes back to what Mitch said earlier about you know what Mitch did catching that steelhead. You know that is the pinnacle of the sport, mm-hmm. right? On a dry, yeah, yeah. I mean, to get that steelhead to come that far up and to hit it. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is we fished that pool, and it probably had twenty people go through it that day. Yeah, because it was it was towards it was later in the day, too. Now, why do you think that was? In my mind, it's because he was the only one fishing that high up. Most people probably went out of that fish. Yeah, well, that's that's true. That's a good point because the the water wasn't exceptionally 
clear. It was about four to six feet visibility. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, is, I, yeah. so many people because they they bring to the sport the idea that I need to get to the fish. Mm-hmm. I need to get. I so I put weight on. I, I need to get to the fish. Yeah. And to a certain extent, you need to get closer to the fish, but you don't need to get to the fish that no. the bait hits him on the nose. At the same time, if the river is busy and there's a, the steelheads have been getting globalized in their face all day, and yeah. you present them a beautiful yeah. swan fly, maybe they'll go for that one instead of all, well, the, yeah, like, all, the, all the bees that have been yeah. hitting yeah, yeah, the whole day. Absolutely. Something, something fluorescent, uh, yeah. ping hitting your face all day, and then you see in uh, a lady Caroline. You might be well. Like, that, for, that looks yummy. It does. And for <laughs> me, you know, I've had days where you know, there, you know, at one time in my life, I did float fish with, uh, with you know, with bait, and uh, you know, there were days where we would get thirty steelhead. I'd get thirty steelhead. Wow. And you don't look at them. You don't. You, yeah. you, you you take the hook out, you let it go, and you want to get to another one really fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the romance and the, the, the sense of accomplishment seems to be diminished slightly for me. Yes. Uh, not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but in my mind, I, I you know it was a greater accomplishment and I great greater satisfaction out of catching, you know, casting a fly and swinging it and having the fish come and hit the fly. Yeah, you you, you lose that moment if you're just constantly experiencing it, right? Yeah, it's just it's, it loses its flavor. So we're back on the water. Yeah. You get there. Um, it's not too crowded. Uh, we, you know, if it is crowded, I look for marginal places. Mm-hmm. So I look for places that I know mm, it's a long shot, but I'll give it a try. If the conditions are right, there may be a fish there. So you kind of we call that fishing in between the cracks. Yeah. Um, or I'll say, okay, it's not that crowded. I'll come in behind this guy and I'll I'll I'll, I'll sit. So. What do I do? So I, I, I go through, and in my mind, the point of that day, there's two ways you can go. You can go do a pass after pass after pass on a pool or a run that you know traditionally holds fish. You can do that all day long if you want, and there's nothing wrong with that. In my case, um, I try and cover as much water as I can. Mm-hmm. So I will go through that pool uh, once, uh, and if the conditions are iffy, I'll go to another. I'll go to another spot that I. I'll actually try to hit as many of these runs as I can in the course of a day. Yeah. And if I get through them all, I'll come back and, and do start it again. And, and start to do it again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you're going out on the river and there's not a lot of people there, then it's a matter of going to the spots that you know and, and trying it that way, right? Yeah. Or and, and the thing is, if you come to a river that you don't know, use your experience, look at the water, and say, hmm. Well, there's, you know, there is a, 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 the head to a long run. Mm-hmm. That's probably going to slow or stop fish down. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's the place to start. Yeah. The tail of the pool is another place that is a high percentage area because fish will tend to drop back into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's structure in the run that makes fish hold. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, it's funny. A lot of people will think and they look at a run and they'll say, well, the fish will be behind the rock. Most cases, I've actually caught fish in front of the rock because yeah. you know the the, uh, the way water works is it hits. There's actually a dead spot in front of a rock, mm. and a steelhead will sit in front of that um, and expend very little energy. Man. Yeah, and just sit there and wait for food to come down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just for the water water to raise. Yeah. Just not 
recovering yeah. basically from the runnage. Yeah. I also think that uh, you know, uh, in choosing where to fish in the course of the day, um, you know, you, you you sort of experiment. Yeah. Right. You you know you you know you you think oh there's something about that piece of water there and yeah there's a guy there I'm going to go over and try that. The other thing I do sometimes is I'll go and fish the opposite side of where I fished before. Mm-hmm. Changes the angle. The presentation slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another way of approaching it. Yeah, and all these little things add up because, like, when, well, we fished many hours last season. I only got one fish. You guys didn't get any. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but, you know, but Mitch, tell us a little bit about it. I think it was you. It was you and Ilma, I think, were out on the ground yeah. that day in the hurricane. And the oh, rain. God. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, that's that, right. Yeah, and. Jeez. We literally recovered everything. Yeah, every but but we, we hooked a fish though. Yeah, well, we hooked yeah. a fish. Remember, you were standing on the bank drinking scotch, yeah, that's right? And you were like, oh, trying to warm up. Yuma was on the bank drinking scotch. Yeah, he was, is, is he that was, did he even fish that day? Did he have a cigar? <laughs> was he uh, reading poetry? What he was, was he doing? He was, was warming up because the river was so cold, and yeah. it was literally a hurricane. Like. He didn't have battery. <laughs> <laughs> So he was standing up by the tree, and uh, my fly was—I was my fly was swinging through just in front of him, and a fish hit right right in front of him, um, under the, under the tree, mm-hmm. and boiled. And then uh, I freaked out, and the fly came out. Yeah. So that, that was like September. That terrible weather day. And yeah. During the, the spade life. Yeah, it was like the day after or something. Yeah. yeah. That's a great lesson. That to me. You guys had the river to yourself. Yeah. yeah. No one was there. Yeah. Because, first of all, you were fishing in a hurricane. Yeah, it was the it wind. It was cold, and it was windy. Yeah. There I you love go. It. So, for me, that's what I call marginal conditions. Mm. Uh, so, uh, those are good times. A lot of people won't yeah. go out, and, and you know what? Yeah, maybe I'm wasting my time. But chances are, I'll have a shot at a fish. Oh, yeah. 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 And, we, like, we did. We, we, we hooked one that day. Yeah. You know, it was... The other thing, the other thing that I have noticed, um, and this is crucial in my opinion, uh, is I've noticed that I have very little success when the water is rising. Yeah. You know, it's like there's no fish in the world, no fish in the river at all. Even though there's tons of fish and they're blowing by you. Yeah. Um, no, people catch fish when the water's rising. It's the other way around for me. I have great success mm-hmm. when the water's dropping. Mm-hmm. And on certain rivers, I've come to know at what point in the curve of the water dropping that it's actually better. Mm-hmm. So if you take, for example, um, some of the rivers in the U.S. that I fish, uh, you can follow on the Internet, you can follow the water dropping. And I have, as an experiment, there's a certain, certain height that people look for in that water, and mm-hmm. the fishing's incredible. Yeah. But just because I wanted to experiment, I would go a little higher mm-hmm. and couldn't catch a fish. Mm-hmm. Yet, a day later, as the water hit that, it's like you get 10 fish. Yeah. Wow. Right? And it's, it's that drop. It is. And it's funny because if you look at, you know, uh, there's some rivers in Ontario that rise so fast and drop so, uh, you know, a, a great, great example is there's a river uh, that runs the Lake Huron called the Big Head. We all we have a saying amongst our friends. We say, if you hear that they're catching fish in the big head, it's too late. Oh yeah, 
Right. Because that river, when it gets, it's like flood, the water comes up. Right. And all the fish come into the river, and you can get huge numbers of fish. Yeah. But the water also drops really fast, and then yeah. the fishing, and the fishing becomes that, very difficult. It's over, yeah. Uh, that's a spade river in the truest sense. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and the fish come in, and that's it. Well, it's kind of like we, we use the charts online as well, right? Yeah, and the other thing is, too, is those fish are hot. They're right out of the lake. Right. And they, they will hit a fly. They will come to a swung fly yeah. more readily than a stale one. Those dark fish that have been in the river a long time... They're a little harder to get to take to take a fly. I wonder why that is. Well, they're a little more beat up. I think. Like, I think so. You can see their tail; like they have spun already. They have dig in. Yeah, in, in steelhead, as they get and, darker, they still hit a fly. I've caught a lot of dark yeah. steelhead, but not the same. They don't come to a fly. They, they will, but not as aggressively as the one right. that you got. That was mint crop. It was right. Its fins were like see through too. Yeah. Would you right say like, like a, a freshier fish that's very chrome um, would hit? A swan flies, and then the darker one, where you'll have more success with it. I would because agree with that. More are they are they acting more like a like a rainbow? Trout? They've been in the river for a longer period. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great point. Going back to throwing a ball at Yilma, uh, if I do that five times, he's not even going to. He, and he's yeah. not trying to catch the ball. He won't even put his hand up anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. It's only when he walks into the room. And I do it first, and that I, I trigger that memory of him right. wanting to catch the ball. Right. But if, he, if he's been in the room and I keep throwing balls to him, he's going to not even put his hand up anymore. Mm-hmm. You still can, uh, because maybe he'll get pissed off and he'll grab the ball at the end and say, you know what, that's it, stop throwing balls at me. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not exactly like that, but it's kind of like that. So as the season progresses then, if, if it's right fresh, like, like now, right, it's early in the season, yeah. fish are coming into the lake. Pretty pretty fast. Yeah. Um, is is now that time where you're going to catch them on swung flies? And as it progresses, how can you change your game? To right. So a lot of people start to get heavier. They start to get, uh, you know, you start getting into metal tubes. You start getting into big uh, irons, like big single hooks, hmm. heavier heads. Yeah. Um, Skagit fishing becomes really big because, you know, you have uh, this fly line that can turn over uh, a tow truck. Like, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. the amount of grain weight that it can turn over, and that's what you're doing. You're lobbing fly line, and it's hitting, and it's going kaboosh. Yeah. And Because those fish right now, they're not going to move that far for a fly. Right. So you get so this is when you would get down a bit deeper because the fish are kind of just chilling at this yeah. point. Right. You want to get right. And right. the strike is more lethargic. The fish right. will hit, and it'll shake its head, and yeah. it's not like, you know, hitting it, and it screams, and it... Yeah. It's like hooking Satan himself. Yeah. Know? So how long are the fish? The fish come in in the fall. How long are they in the river for? Well, they'll be in the river to eventually find their way to, the, to spawn in the spring. Okay, so they spawn in the spring. Yeah, so they, they begin to enter the river, uh, make their way to where they were originally, and they'll hold there and winter there mm-hmm. uh, until uh, the conditions are right for them to reproduce. Okay. So they still actually don't spawn in the fall. Not some do. There are there are instances where some do. I mean, there is at one time there used to be a, a a fall run on a river in Ontario that I remember that those fish would spawn in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of fish there are spring spawners. Yeah. Salmon are fall spawners, with the exception mm-hmm. of uh, Atlantic salmon, yeah. which is a different uh, thing altogether. Mid summer to fall. Yeah. yeah I, uh, well, you're right. They actually you, they ask when they they spawn. They spawn earlier in mm-hmm. most cases, but yeah. So then in the spring, you can. there's another 
opportunity to fish steelhead. Yeah, there is, and those are kelts, those are dropbacks. They're a different fish. They, they've consumed all their body weight. They're long and skinny and snake-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't fish for them as much then. I don't have the same enjoyment. They, um, as you get closer to the lake, they start to feed again, and they start to put right. weight on. It's a little more enjoyment, but mm-hmm. uh, those fish for me after they've spawned, um, yeah, I'll get out and catch the odd one, but it's not the same as a full-body yeah. mint crow monster that comes in mm-hmm. in the fall. Yeah. For me, the way I see it is fall is the steelhead season, and then when spring arrives, it's crop. Yeah. Resident trout. Yeah. But that's how I take it. I don't really. No, I agree. Just yeah. enjoy, I don't really fish for them. Still heading there. In the spring, I'm just too excited about, about yeah. resident trout. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. I'm, uh, my mind somewhere else. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's it's. I've walked into pools in the spring, and there have been you know 60 steelhead in a pool that's 50 by 40 feet wide, and they're packed in there like cordwood. I don't see the sport in that. Yeah. For me, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I I remember fishing, float fishing as a young man. In one of those pools, there was so many fish that the float and the line would lay down because it couldn't drift through all the fish. Yeah, yeah. There's no sport in that no. for me. Yeah. No, for sure. All right, well, we're going to take a two-second break. I might grab another coffee. Yeah. And then uh, we'll be right Just back. Just coffee. It's amazing. No, oh, you. Yeah. We're going to talk about flies. Different steelhead flies, um, when to use them, what they are. Joe's got a whole bunch in front of us right here. You're holding uh, my favorites. Yeah, what are these? They're bombers. Yeah. Uh, water Atlantic salmon fly. Which, yeah. Well, they can be still a fly as well. It but, is. But they're, most, they're mostly known for Atlantic salmon. Yeah, and, and understand that those are not, not for dead drifting. Those are for, again, swinging. And they put a wake. Skating. They're actually called waking flies. They put a wake on the surface. And that is what the fish are seeing. And that's what they're hitting, right? So, but I think you know when it comes to fly design, it, it, the world is changing as we speak in steelhead fishing in Ontario for fly design. Um, there, you know, things are changing like crazy. But the key again, if you were talking about a swung fly, it is action uh, that still is kind of determining fly design. Recently, um, you know, for the large part of my. Uh, my fishing for steelhead, I would use traditional steelhead hooks and English hooks, yeah. which are aesthetically beautiful. Yeah. Um, 1.0, 1.5, 2s, 6s. The only thing that bothered me over the years on that, there was two things. Number one was um, they would, could hurt the fish. These yeah. are big hooks, yeah. you know. Yeah. And the, the, the hooking percentage on those was really low at times for me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that started to emerge here in the last 10 years, 15 years, is, again, looking at the European uh, fishing for salmon and for steelhead, uh, is they tended to use a lot of smaller hooks with tube flies. Yeah. And smaller hooks as double and trebles. Treble hooks right, yeah. in, the, uh, in Europe and Scandinavia, very, very big, because you could have a three-inch fly... Yeah. With the size twelve hook, yeah. So Sorry. the hooking percentage on that was really good, and it didn't really hurt the fish. Yeah, it's less metal, even right. if they're trouble. Yeah. So if you think about it, a three-inch long fly on a traditional steelhead iron, the size of that hook, oh, it's yeah. going to be a three-o hook. Yeah, that's really going to damage a fish, and it's really hard to get that much steel. Oh yeah, through a fish. Yeah, 
right? And as Mitch, as Mitch and I would often talk when we steelheaded, and I remember when Mitch's first steelhead he hooked, mm-hmm. you don't set the hook for me on the swung fly. You don't set the hook. The way of the fish turning on the fly sets the hook. And until I feel the fish on, I don't lift the rod. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I remember that. Yeah, that was, a, that was just a big, that was like a one, two odd hook. Yeah. It was a lot of, lot of steel. So, so nowadays, uh, my fishing tends to be a lot of, you know, there's a, 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 a great fly tire in um, Scandinavia, uh, Michael, uh, Mikkel Froden. And, uh, you know, his style of flies uh, with uh, Arctic Fox, Temple Dogs, yeah. uh, that material to me, because, you know, in the 90s, I fished a lot of marabou flies mm-hmm. because the action was incredible. The problem with marabou was it soaked water and it became really heavy mm-hmm. and uh, it was really hard to cast. Um, and it also rotted over time. The marabou would yeah. sort of disintegrate. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until we started seeing a lot of these hairs, uh, these sort of hairs from Scandinavia show up, that they had the same action and the same bulk without necessarily the same weight. Yeah. And, uh, and in certain type of rivers, those long, broad rivers of medium speed, those flies distinguish themselves yeah. over traditional flies that don't have a lot of movement in them. Yeah. So they have more profile. They have more movement in the water. Yeah. So, But there's also the... Um, what are they called? Intruder patterns. So intruders, again, uh, from more the, on the West Coast. The West yeah. Coast, yeah. Um, again, great style of fly, uh, but uh, for me, um, work better in water where the water's faster and deeper and you need right. to get down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need, like, a ton of material. Yeah. And you need... You know. you need bigger lines as well like that's when sketch yeah comes along and the thing, these guys are big yeah it does for me the the, the, the thing is uh, i don't fish a lot of intruders but for me they don't swim they don't swim well yeah they, they, they fish well but they don't necessarily swim well if you watch some of these flies in the water that that, that we fish in yeah. the more scandinavian style tube fly if you will yeah. yeah they actually when you put them in the water they look like they're going to swim away bite your leader off and swim away yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. a good attribute in a, in a fly for me absolutely right and i've actually had fish where, where i where the fly is swinging and i've actually felt that you can actually feel the fish hit it and yeah. hold on to it yeah uh, mm-hmm. because it feels it's alive yeah yeah, yeah. no these the temp, temple dog pattern it's yeah. amazing in the water. So I think that's what I used last year with you. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. That's what I got my fish on last year. Yeah. yeah I mean, there was, again, there, you, you certainly, the rabbit strip flies, yeah. uh, they have that in them as well. It's a rabbit strip for me. Um, again, they yeah. kind of suffer a bit from that bulk. Yeah. And they don't have quite the, the, sort, of the, the, the sort of shape and swimming uh, mm-hmm. capability. Like these flies, you can actually get that teardrop shape in a fly. Yeah. Which looks like life. Yeah. 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 Well, we're also looking at some uh, pretty nice reels. Yes, yeah, so some really yeah. nice reels. We're gonna have to get a picture of them. For yeah, the, we're gonna we're gonna online. we're gonna shoot them and put them up. Oh under. yes. Yeah. So, so the you know I, I think like the understanding a reel understanding a reel the idea with the reel is to, you know to store a line have a large line capacity. Large arbor reels gain great favor because you can pick up line faster. A lot of these reels are actually multipliers, uh, but I feel that if you have enough backing. On a traditional reel, an old hardy, for example, yeah, right. you get your line close to the edge. It can it can give you good pickup 
uh, as much as a large arbor reel. I mean, yeah. if you want to fish more of a traditional looking reel. Mm-hmm. Um, but these reels, for me, it's, it's an aesthetic that I enjoy and I admire and I associate with the sport. You know. Well, they're incredible. Like, I mean, the like. So let's look, go through a couple. Of so that's a the one you got in your hand right now is a is what they call a, a Bogdan. Yeah. And that particular model is a Nordic 400. Okay. And uh, it was designed for the two-handed rod, and Nordic again, kind of the Scandinavian thing for you know fishing rivers like the Alta and those big rivers. Yeah. Um, but again, it, for a 15-foot rod, as the season gets colder. Yeah. Um, I'm not stripping as much line to cast. So I'm picking up more of a longer belly. Yeah. Because um, you know, you strip line, it freezes in your guides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, that's one way to go. Um, the other ones are other Bogdans. That one in the middle is from 1954. Yeah. Uh, they call that's that a large Bogdan. salmon too. Yeah. 1954. Uh, the one in the middle is. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I think I, this is the one I might have used. Uh, or maybe not. No, it was this one. Yes, it was that one. Yeah. Yeah. So we're pointing a lot of stuff here, but we're definitely going to take pictures of it yeah. and put it up. Yeah, we'll show you pictures. <laughs> but they're, are, they're bench-made. Are they bench-made? Yeah, they're all handmade. Uh, you know, Stanley Bogdan, um, the way it used to work to try and get one of his reels was there was a waiting list that was two, three years, yeah. and you were put on the list, and he called you. So one day, you got a call out of the blue and say, your reel's ready. <laughs> That's awesome. Whenever he's ready. Yeah, whenever it's ready. Yeah, and, uh, I like that. Yeah. Hilarious. He's gonna have the money. Well, yeah, ready to go. You gotta be. That's exactly it. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, um, but it's a great. It's you know, there's nothing more I enjoy more than standing on a on a river with a great, a great reel, a great fly rod, a great well tied fly on a on a run. Yeah. um, With the kind of you know beautiful colors of fall. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And then waiting for that tug. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's why I think steelhead fishing season is my favorite season for all those reasons. You know, it just feels nice. But these these reels um, are all made by Bogdan, except for the one that's a party, right so and then the party. other one is uh, Godfrey. A Godfrey, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, so yeah, and then the other one in the leather case is a, is an original Saracen and Skagit. Okay. And uh, nice. that that is one of the early reels too, as well. Yeah. So all these these reels, you know, you're talking earlier about some of the history they might have, you know. Yeah, uh, you know the the one from 1954. What would the stories be in that reel? What rivers were it? Yeah. Uh, what did it see? Uh, those are those are things that you think about when you when you hold these things, right? Yeah. As someone someday will own these reels when I'm gone, and yeah. they will think back to what are the rivers uh, they were on. Uh, <laughs> You know, so it uh, it's it's really quite interesting to know that. Yeah. Um, Did they travel a bit? Uh, yeah. I, the, these things, yeah, absolutely. The the they've been on all a lot of the Great Atlantic Salmon rivers. Okay. It's and kind of like anywhere in Europe. Uh, you no, fish Europe? no, I've never fished Europe. I'd okay. love to go fish Europe. I mean, to fish those Great Atlantic Salmon rivers like the Alta. Yeah. Uh, you know, fifty-five yeah. pound Atlantic salmon. Oh my God, it's insane. It's like it's insane. What would that be like? <laughs> I don't know. I think your arm would just come right off. I don't know how the hell they land those things. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, nuts. It's, it's yeah. nuts. Uh, you know, I've got a forty, a forty-three and a half inch Atlantic salmon, and it was when I saw that fish in the shallows, it was a monster. Yeah, it's forty-three inches. It's like Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. It's like in. It's just like it totally. And you got to understand that thing was a. 
you know, being chased by killer whales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where was that? That was on the York. Oh, York really River. Nice. Really nice. So I just want to come back with flies just for a bit because I'm stubborn. Yeah. And I love top water. You guys know I use dries for mostly dries for trout. I use a mouse pattern for bass almost all the time until until I catch one. Um, I want to catch a steelhead on top water. And everybody in Ontario told me, forget about it. Well, but you say, no, 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 don't forget yeah, about no, it. No, Gab, there's, but, uh, uh, there's a great book. But I want to know how. Yeah, there's a great book. One, I think it's Rick Kostich's book on Great Lakes Steelhead. He has a chapter in uh, on dry fly. And, uh, you, you, you know, it, you have to find the right kind of water. And you have to spend more time. Because yeah. the strikes will be fewer or farther in between. But it is doable. Yeah. The same thing that makes a, a fish hit, a steelhead hit, a swung fly under the surface. Yeah. There's no reason why it won't hit. You have to have water temperature. So the warmer the water is, it's important. Okay. Yeah. So right now would be a good time. It right? would be a good yeah. time, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Compared to November. Yes. Going to... I think that's important. I think a broad enough stretch of water okay. um, that isn't too rough mm-hmm. so that you can make... A disturbance on the surface. A nice, even wake. Yeah, exactly. If the water's too choppy, you're not going to see a wake. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the water is smooth enough, mm-hmm. that wake will will draw a fish. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can catch them on Ontario and, and on West Coast type patterns, skating patterns that will that will uh, under tension, the same way you swing a fly, yeah. will create a wake, and that wake. The fish will see that disturbance and follow it like they would a normal swung fly and boil at it. Yeah. What, what would be the difference between like a Pacific um, um, skating flies like these guys here or in, like an Atlantic salmon bomber like I see? So, yeah, like so some of the Atlantic salmon, in the Atlantic salmon, they don't skate as much. Okay. They do, but they'll cast upstream and dead drift ones. So the ones with the big white wings yeah. there, that's from the York River. And they will use a single-hander yeah, yes, to catch upstream. Yep. Yeah. And they'll dead drift it. Okay. So the, the, the fly will be floating down. The salmon will come up. For the same reason I was throwing the ball to Yilma earlier, as, as smolts and pars, when they were in the river, they would feed on, on yeah. just like a trout would. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. And that's, that's the instinct you're triggering with a dead drift fly for a, a salmon in that case. Mm-hmm. Steelhead, it's the same thing. It's a it's a, a, a bug swimming across the surface or some kind of disturbance across the surface. It is the wake, the vi- it's 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 the visual cue that says, oh, oh, I see something. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's alive. I used to react to that as a as a, and I'm going to go chase it and hit it. Yeah. Uh, the problem with a lot of dry fly fishing for steelhead in Ontario is you don't have the broad enough run. Mm. So the fish can follow it and hit it. Yeah. And, you it's know, mostly pockets. And mostly pockets. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. If you, if you, the fly only swings, the bomber only swings 10 feet. Yeah. It's awful hard to get a fish to yeah. chase it and commit to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but you can do it. I'm going to try. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a biologist in, in Ontario, a well-known biologist named Larry Halleck. And he always has two rods with him when you see him on the river. He'll have a, uh, a rod fish... Uh, a wet traditional swung fly, and he'll have a, a, a rod to swing a dry fly. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll go, and he won't tell anybody where he catches his fish on a dry fly. And <laughs> right you should have. You should have. But he does. He has success every year doing it, and I wow. think that that's an impressive thing. Once I got mine, 
Nobody will know where I got it. <laughs> well, you won't even tell Yoma? You guys will. <laughs> they, they will, they will, but they will not share it. Gab won't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel bad for Yoma, I probably will. I would say that, you know what? I would say that the fish that Mitch got last year yeah. was a candidate for a dry fly. Yeah. Because that fly that he hit, hit it, was, it, was it, was, it, was, it was three or four inches under the surface. Yeah. It boiled when it hit. Oh, yeah. yeah so it was in the yeah. scene, man. Like, yeah. It was close to the surface. Yeah. And if Very you would have had a big bomber waking across the top, there's a chance that that fish might have boiled. I bet you, yeah, bet you would have, yeah. Because this, it was, it was swinging pretty quick too. Yeah, so it was really. Close. I don't have a ton of bombers in my, but I, uh, I snatched my my dad's old Atlantic uh, bombers because it doesn't go for Atlantic salmon, so I got a bunch. There you go. Could have tried them out. Well, I have, I have, fish bombers, and uh, caught a lot of smallmouth on while I was fishing for steelhead. Mm-hmm. And, and it is fun. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've always been attracted by the top water. Yeah, top water absolutely. There's no reason. Yeah. And like I say earlier, I think the key is to start higher and go lower. Yeah, always yeah. In, in, in the course of steelhead fishing. This time of year, as it gets colder, yeah, then you kind of got to move down after. Yeah. But this time of year, I would start higher and go lower. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've touched on um, what to look for in the river before you go out. Mm-hmm. Touched on the rod differences, reels, flies. That pretty much covers everything. Is there anything else? You guys yeah, you know, as much as I'm concerned about catching fish, I want to stay warm. Last oh, question yes. before we leave. Uh, near, okay, so I think we asked this earlier, but um, neoprene versus you know the boots. You know, wh- how do I dress? Like, what Yelma am I wearing? Had, Yelma had battery powered socks last year. I had battery powered. socks. We don't know what we're doing. Well, what do you mean had? He probably still yeah, does. Still oh, he's probably still wearing them right now. <laughs> This is this is like it got know. cold. It got cold out there. <laughs> well, I think he's isn't he isn't he like a field tester for electric socks? Yes, <laughs> well known around the world. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's representing a few different yeah. electric sock brands. And there's a bigger. I made enough yeah. fun of him. I won't. I won't know. It's okay. Good for you guys. I did before. <laughs> yeah. I had my share item. What's the best way to stay warm on the river? So here's what I think. I think that I use now thin breathable waders, um, and I layer underneath. So if you have good, a good pair of high-performance um, long johns, uh, underwear, and then you layer all the great Sims, Patagonia, uh, Mountain Equipment Co-op, all those companies, they build layering systems mm-hmm. that are all you need. Yeah, it's key uh, now, layer. Neoprene, neoprene, yeah, there's a place for it if people want, you know, a lot of more traditional people would use them. I have a pair downstairs, I never wear them because... The mobility on them is really poor. Yeah, it's definitely. And uh, and frankly, I have I haven't had any problems staying warm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, layering. Yeah, the neoprene doesn't. Add I think much. it's your feet that's more important. Yeah, that's the that's big thing, thing right? Yeah. And I think there's a certain water temperature where I will go to a boot foot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I my feet never get cold in a boot foot. Wow, because yeah. the, the well, better it's, circulation. It's, it's um, and it's insulated too. Right? Insulated. There's no metal in it. No, yeah. no spikes. Yeah. People go. They have yeah. metal on the bottom of their wings. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's those are the, that's the most horrible thing in cold yeah. weather. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like uh, not only do they make noise, but they uh, also as well get cold and yeah. your feet freeze. But no, there's a certain time of year where I will switch. Yeah. And. I have never my feet never get cold. And so the boot foot waders are again the same material as your spring waders, summer waders, but just boot foot. Yeah, they have like a boot, and, and then just a physical boot. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, a little harder to walk in, but 
you're, you're not really sprinting in the cold anyways. You're sort of shuffling, if you yeah, will. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's critical. <clears throat> and then you just layer, and that's it. I think there's a material, too, you've got to stay away from, like cotton. Cotton's right? horrible. If you put yeah. cotton in socks... Yeah. And then you put wool socks on top of your cotton socks. You just screw it up. That's because a great Because you're, you're cutting so, well, so all the water, mm-hmm. which, like, the wool won't. The wool will, no. will, will yeah, breathe. Warm with the wool. But if you put cutting socks under your wool socks, you're basically spending the whole day with sweaty feet. Yeah. Even if, if it, the, the, you think it's cold yeah. and your feet are cold because it, it, the water is cold, but really it's because of the wet. Yeah. From the cotton being yeah, breathable. Uh, absolutely. So breathable fabric. Is, yeah. is key yeah. to stay warm. I, I think so, and I think that um, I think if if I were to spend money, I know Mitch would spend all his money on good scotch, but I, <laughs> yeah. I would take lesser scotch and spend more money on good underwear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep yeah. that blood. I got to get normal. some like wicking <laughs> socks and that kind of stuff. I, I think so. I think it, it, it's a no-brainer. They all make it out there. They all and they, yeah. and they it, it, but you should spend money if you're going to spend money. Yeah. Spend, I, I have been with uh, people that just shiver on the river because they've got waffle underwear and mm. cotton yeah. socks and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and really are you gonna you gonna go you gonna go spend nine hours yeah. standing in a river in cold water and it's not worth spending a hundred bucks on yeah. good long johns and yeah really but is it worth buying a separate pair of waders that are boot foot I I would yeah, yeah. and then just layer up under that. Yeah, I, 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 I have two pairs of waders now, and I, I think it's, it's crazy. No, no, maybe some people aren't going to fish in, in that cold of water. Yeah, yeah. I have friends who say, you know what, that's it. Yeah. Get nice in the guides, I don't fish anymore. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Oh, it's good to know that. Electric socks, guys. That's, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the way to go. <laughs> right on. Um, well, in this, colder in this... weather, we need to do it more. Like, yeah. I feel like, like last season we stopped a little too early. Yeah. So I, like, you can go in February, you can go in December. Um, I feel like uh, when December arrived, we kind of stop. We should push it yeah. just a little more. Just I, I'll be honest with you. There are some days in my past where I was itching on Christmas morning to sneak out to the river, but it put my family life in jeopardy. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> We're going to have to get out in the winter, though, for sure. We didn't do it last year. Yeah, is the Niagara run that has yeah. fish all winter? Well, and it's a great point that yeah. Gab raises. If you look at that book, uh, Deck Hogan's book, he actually divides it into four seasons, right? So you have spring steelhead, you have summer steelhead, you have winter steelhead, right? And then you have fall steelhead. And the fish exhibit different properties in different times based on that, right? Mm-hmm. And fishing longer during the season will make Yelma a little more hardy. And someday you won't need... No, I'm uh, I'm, I'm happy the way with, I am. With, uh, <laughs> sucks with, with I actually think he looks quite fashionable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, definitely, always. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. That's another episode. We're going to be into steelhead season now. We're gonna we'll we'll go out tomorrow. We'll post pictures about how we did. But we're also gonna take pictures for of these reels and stuff for social. Thanks, and, Joe, uh, for hosting us. Thank you so much and again. Yes. Thanks, Joe. Yes, and. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, you guys are great guys to uh, talk to, and um, best of luck. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's gonna be good. A funny bunch. <laughs> Everybody, thanks for listening, and uh, I'll catch you next time. Uh-huh.